This is the Nach Yomi series. This series has been sponsored by Mr. Ariel Kalati and family in memory of Dorina Kalati, Zichona Levacha, Ruach Hashem Magan Eden. It's also been sponsored by Miss Charlotte Cheverdi for the Hatzlacha, continued growth and success of Yeshivat De'Ava Haskel. We are on Perik Tet, the ninth chapter of Shmuel Aleph. We are in the middle of the discussion of how the first king of Israel is going to be selected. In Perik Chet, we learned about the, uh, the people's request for a king and how Shmuel received that request and responded to that request and how we can understand what was right and what was wrong about the approach that the people had to the issue of selecting a king. In this Perik, Perik Tet, we're going to see the unfolding of the uh, divine plan insofar as selecting a king is concerned. And we're going to be introduced to a character who will play a very important role in the rest of Shmuel Aleph. ish mi binyamin. There was a person from Binyamin, Ushmo Kish ben Aviel ben Tzor ben Bechorat ben Afiach ben Ish Yemini, Gibor Chayel. There was a certain person from the tribe of Binyamin. His name was Kish, and it gives us his entire lineage going all the way back. And he was Gibor Chayel. He was a very mighty person. He had a son, Ushmo Shaul, Bechor Vatov. He had... A very fine son named Shaul. There was nobody better in the Jewish, among the Jewish people as great as uh, Shaul in terms of his behavior, in terms of his appearance. He had it all. He was a 10, as they would say. From his shoulder and above, he was taller than everyone. In other words, he was a head taller than everyone, which is probably intended in both senses of the term. In other words, he was a very, physically, in terms of his stature, he was tall. And that does play a role in the way that one is perceived in leadership position. He was tall and therefore someone people physically looked up to and felt, uh, uh, felt had a certain superior position, even physically. But it also means that in terms of the quality of his character and who he was, he was a superior person. It so happened one day that the female donkeys of his father went missing. Shaul's father instructed him to go with one of the uh, one of the assistants, one of the uh, workers, young workers, and chase after these donkeys that were missing. Go on a search to find these donkeys. So they're going throughout Harifraim. They're traveling, looking, and they don't find. They go from place to place. They cannot manage to find these donkeys. They came to the land of Tzuf. Eventually, Shaul said, you know, we really should turn around and go back because it's been a long time. Because eventually my father is going to be more worried about what happened to us than he is worried about what happened to the donkeys because we've been missing for such a long time. Now we're going to see something interesting and I'm just going to point this out as a bit of a foreshadowing right now, but we'll see that this, um, this is a, an innocuous comment. This is a very insignificant exchange or would seem to be in the big picture. But we see here Shaul suggesting something. And then his farmhand, basically, his servant says, There is a man of God in the city. 
He's so distinguished. Everything that he says comes true. Maybe this man of God can tell us the solution to our problem, what we've been seeking, and tell us where the donkeys are. Now we notice here that Shaul made a proposition. He made a proposal. He said, let's go back to my father. It's contradicted by the servant. And Vayom HaShaul Na'o V'inen Enech Oman Avilei says, okay, we'll go. What should we bring to this man? Ki alechem azal mikelenu. Utshrayin Avilei Shailoim. He said, first of all, we have no bread left. We don't have any gift to present to this man of God. Ma'itan, what do we have with us? Vayosev Anar Lanot HaShaul. So the uh, assistant, the servant, answered Shaul, I have a quarter of a shekel of money, of silver, we can give it to the man of God, and he will tell us our way. Now, I'm just pointing this out as something to keep in mind, that as a matter of course, almost every time that Shaul has a resolution, makes a proposition, states that he's going to do something, suggests that something be done, he is contradicted by others and he's convinced to retract his, uh, his statement. We're going to see a couple of noteworthy exceptions along the way. But as a general rule, Shaul is a very agreeable kind of a person. He goes with the flow. He quickly retracts when he has made a statement that is uh, when there's pushback from somebody else on a statement that he's made. And we see that here as well. He was concerned about his father's state of mind and worry about them missing, and all of a sudden he changes gears and he decides to go to speak to this man of God. In the olden days, the Navi says, when a person would go to seek out God, which means to speak to a prophet for some kind of a uh, information, divine wisdom, they used to say, let us go to the seer. What they call a Navi today, a prophet today, they used to call a seer. Now this pasuk is a very interesting pasuk. Because obviously the author, because we assume according to the tradition that the author of the book of Shmuel, at least this part of the book of Shmuel, was Shmuel himself. So why would he be talking in the olden days? Like, oh, in the olden days, this, these were the, this was the language that they used. If it was written contemporaneously, it was at the same time that the events were occurring. Shmuel was writing the book shortly after so why would he talk about it like it happened uh, generations earlier? So there are two answers to this problem. The first answer is that Shmuel, even in Shmuel's time, it was an old-fashioned type of an expression to say, uh, to say uh, the ro'eh, the seer. It would be like sometimes people say, let's Xerox this instead of let's copy it. Or uh, they call a tissue a Kleenex. That's kind of uh, outdated. It used to be that those were the brands that everybody knew. So people would refer to the item by the brand name that was very common. Or something like that. There were old-fashioned sayings that people within the same, that live at the same time, the older people might use an, a more old-fashioned expression to refer to an item. And the younger people have already begun using a different expression. So the point is that in the times of Shmuel, Shaul utilizes an old-fashioned term to describe Shmuel rather than the more modern term of Navi. That's what the Radak says. That's one interpretation. Another way of reading it is that even though Shmuel did write the book of Shmuel, at least this part of the book of Shmuel, up to when he passed away in the book, because he passes away rather early in the, in the book, 
a later Navi might have come and added this gloss, added this pasuk. Because since Nevi'im on the same level of prophecy are allowed to add to one another's Sfarim, we can't add to the Sefer Torah, even Yahushua can't add to the Sefer Torah because the Sefer Torah was written by Moshe Rabbeinu, who has a much higher level of prophecy. But for Shmuel, to, for a Navi of Natan or God after the time of Shmuel, or even a later Navi, Yeshayahu or Yirmiyahu, to add a pasuk to the book of Navi would not be prohibited because he's also on the level where he can write prophecy. In other words, he has the ability to write prophetic content. So it's also possible that in the times of Shmuel, they still called the prophet Eroeh, and that later on, a Navi updated it by adding this pasuk to clarify what Eroeh meant. Either way is possible. The Radak takes the first way, that that coexistent at the time of Shmuel were two different terms for a prophet. One was more old-fashioned, one was more modern. So just in order for the later readers who were probably more familiar with um, with the uh, uh, with, with the more uh, with the later term to understand what was going on, he mentioned that Shaul used the old term. Another example that would be like another example today would be like to rewind something. Let's rewind it, or or is that on the tape? What the, we we call things a tape instead of a, because now everything's digital. The young people don't know what a tape is. They don't know what rewinding is. But people who are my age and up, we know what rewinding is. We remember cassette tapes and so on. And so we might still use that term, even though it's outdated and the young people have no idea what we're talking about. That could be what's happening here. According to the Radak, that's what's happening here. In any case, So Shaul said, you're, you're, you're good. Good point. Good idea. Let's go. They came to the city where the man of God was. Now, the Navi has not yet told us who this man of God is, keeping it a mystery. It's very interesting. It keeps calling him the man of God, the man of God, but it doesn't identify him until later. So they saw a bunch of girls that were approaching the city. They were at the ascent to the city and they saw some girls who had come out to draw water and they said to them, is there a seer here? Now notice this is an interesting example that a lot of the literary scholars of Tanakh point out of a common biblical scene. The common biblical scene of man meets woman by well or by water. It happens with Eliezer meeting Rivka in this week's parasha. It happens with Yaakov meeting Rachel at the water. It happens with Moshe Rabbeinu meeting the daughters of Yitro at the water. Very, very common scene. The same scene is emerging here that Shaul comes and he meets girls at the water. So normally we would expect, of course, that's not what's going to happen, but we're going to expect, we would we'd normally expect, we'd be primed to be looking for some kind of a romantic element here. And it's very interesting that the rabbis actually do find the romantic element. But let's see first what happens. He asks, is the seer around? The girls answered and said, yes, he's, before, he's in front of you. Go quickly now. He just came to the city today. Because the people have a sacrifice today at the high place, at the altar. Because at this time in Jewish history, you were allowed to have multiple altars because they did not have a central place of worship because Shiloh was destroyed and there was no Beit HaMikdash yet. So the girls continue. When you come to the city, you'll find him. Uh, before he goes up to the high place, lechol to eat, ki lo yuchal amad bo, because nobody's going to eat until he gets there. Ki u yivaycha zevach, because he's going to say a blessing, he's going to bless the the food. Achrechen yuchal akiruim, then the invited people will eat. Ve'atalu, so now go up, ki oto ki ayom temtzeun oto, because he 
he will find him like the day, meaning just like, as, as clear as day, you'll be able to find him if you go right now. Now, the Chazal, of course, point out that the women here speak very, very, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they're very elaborate in their, in their uh, comments. They are, uh, it seems like they're going on and on. They could have just said, go to the city, he's here, you'll find him. Instead, they go with a whole long description of several psukim. They say, yes, there's a korban today, he's coming, you should go right now on the way up to the place to eat, you'll be able to find him because the people won't eat without him because there's a, there's a celebration today and he's coming and you'll find him. They, they uh, elaborate so much, it's very unusual. And what do the Chazal say? What do the rabbis say? They say the reason why was because Shaul was a very handsome. It shows you that Shaul was a very handsome person. He was very good looking. He was very attractive. And therefore the women wanted to continue talking with him as much as possible because they were flirting with him basically in a way um, at that moment. And, so, and that's how the Chazal explain why they went to such great lengths to describe and re-describe and reiterate, repeat themselves Again and again, in, in providing the instructions of how to find Shemuel. So they said, oh, it's because, in Rashi quotes, he says, In order to look at Shaul, they, they, they were uh, uh, speaking at, uh, they were very loquacious, as much as possible. Now, that again is a very interesting thing because Chazal are also picking up here, the rabbis are picking up here on the fact that generally a man running into a woman at, by the water has romantic overtones in the Tanakh. So they even read here, Romantic overtones, but in this particular case, the woman doesn't become the focus of the story, but mere, they are merely the guideposts to direct Shaul and where to go next. So in that way, it is contradicting our expectation. We're waiting for some kind of a romantic moment, but what we get is instead directions to go see the seer. They went to the city, they entered the city, and right at that moment, just like the girl said, they saw Shaul, Shmuel on his way up to the place where they offered the sacrifices. Hashem had actually given Shmuel a heads up the day before. He said, tomorrow I'm going to send you someone from the land of Binyamin. You must anoint him. As leader of my people Israel, he will save my people from the hands of the Plishtim. Because I've seen my people that their cry has come to me that they want a leader. So in other words, Shmuel already knew in advance that there was going to be a special visitor that day. And Shmuel sees Shaul. And Vashem Anau, Hashem told him, This is the man that I told you. He is going to rule my people. Okay? So this could be that it happened really in real time. Or it could be that he had a vision ahead of time uh, uh, of what Shmuel was going to, uh, what, what Shaul was going to, to look like. Either way, he knew to, he identified immediately with God's help. Now, of course, Shaul has no, no idea who Shmuel is. He just sees a man walking up. So, so on one hand, Shmuel knows who Shaul is, but Shaul doesn't know who Shmuel is. So Shaul, and he doesn't even know the name of the man of God. No one here has said the name of the... Until Shmuel is introduced in the story, nobody said his name. The, the Na'ar, the assistant of Shaul, did not know the name of the man of God, seemingly. The girls don't mention the name. And uh, Shaul doesn't mention the name. But he goes to him, he says, he says to him, So he says to Shmuel, unwittingly, not realizing he's speaking to the prophet himself, Shaul says, do you know where the house of the seer is? Shmuel said to Shaul, I am the seer. Come up to the Bama, 
Whatever is in your heart, I will tell you. And then the interesting thing is that uh, uh, the Chazal actually say that this statement was not appropriate. And the Radak also quotes, the Radak uh, defends Shmuel and says, this was not inappropriate or anything like that. This was no, there was nothing wrong with it because since he asked him, what's the house of the seer? He said, it's me. But the rabbis say, no, it wasn't right. He shouldn't have said, I am the seer because it sounded almost like he was being arrogant and therefore later on when Shmuel is unable to identify which of the sons of Yishai is chosen as the next king. He's not able to do it. And Hashem says, see, you're not able to always perceive uh, on the surface. Uh, sometimes you need, Hash- you know, the, the, meaning Hashem sees to the heart and you only see the surface and don't call yourself the seer like as if you're able to perceive everything. So uh, in other words, Shmuel is criticized for calling himself Anuchiah Now, what was the problem? Because perhaps he should have been more humble in his manner of expression. In other words, it's not saying that Shmuel was really arrogant, but that one should always be careful in the way one expresses something about the self. To be uh, sensitive and to be uh, self-effacing and not to come across in an arrogant manner, even if it's not meant that way. So Shmuel Kav said, oh, which, which role are you looking for? Or, uh, uh, you know, the, oh, I think the role is coming to, to, oh, to this house. In other words, the fact that he said, I am the, uh, I am the seer might have sounded a little presumptuous and perhaps could have been worded in a more indirect way, a more self-effacing way, out of a matter of sensitivity. But anyway, he tells him, come eat with me. And regarding those donkeys, you're missing a yom they're already missing three days. Don't worry, they were found. And he said, and to whom belongs all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not you and all of the house of your father? In other words, he says this mysterious statement to Shaul. Uh, first of all, the donkeys came back and your father has them. Don't worry about it. You can go home. Number two, uh, you have everything that anybody would ever dream of. You and your family. Shaul says, Vayan Shaul, Vayomer. Hello, Benjamin Yanochi. I'm from Shevet Benjamin. Miktanei Shevet Yisrael, one of the smallest tribes of Israel. And my family is the sm- one of the smallest. Or is the youngest of all the families of Benjamin. Why would you say something like this to me? And of course, Shmuel did not answer. So Shaul has asked him, why are you saying such a mysterious thing? And the whole situation is mysterious. Why is he expecting him? And uh, why does he invite him in to eat? He knows exactly who he is. He knows what he's there to ask. He takes him. So he takes them to the chamber. He puts them at the head of the table. There were 30 people there at the table. Shmuel said to the chef, Give me that piece of meat that I uh, told you to set aside. He picked it up. So he picked up the thigh and the, uh, uh, and the, uh, the leg, basically, of the animal that was there for, uh, for Shaul. He said, this is the thing that uh, was left from, uh, that was set aside to eat. Now, this is a very difficult pasuk to translate. Literally, the way the Radak renders it is that Shmuel said to Shaul, this is the piece 
that was left alone, separate from the other pieces, that I organized for all of the invitees. And this is what I told the chef to put aside for you to eat because at this time it's going to be designated for you specially to eat it. So the, the, the language of the pasuk is very difficult to, uh, to translate. It's a little bit vague. But the point is that Shmuel is basically telling Shaul, I put this aside. I knew how many people were coming and I had it for you for now. So all of these little hints are happening to Shaul that indicate that there's something special about this visit. It wasn't just an accident like it would seem in the beginning that he just happened to show up with Shmuel. Shmuel was expecting it. Shmuel had a special food set aside for him. Why would he have special food set aside for somebody who was coming to get their donkeys? They went down from the high place where they uh, had the korban and they were talking on the roof. In the morning they got up early and at the dawn Shmuel calls Shaul to the roof and says Get up, I'm going to send you. And so he and Shmuel go outside. They came to the edge of the city. Shmuel told Shaul, tell the young man, meaning the, the assistant, the uh, that was with Shaul, go ahead of us. And he went ahead. You stand here, and I'm going to tell you the word of God. So that's where the parak ends. We're going to see what happens next. But we, it, I just want to point out that um, you see that this has to do with a bonding between Shmuel and Shaul. And they have a conversation. And it does say what the conversation is that they're having on the roof. But what Rashi says is, He was correct, rebuking him and teaching him to fear Hashem. Now, obviously, we assume that if Shaul is a person that Hashem is selecting to be the leader of his people, obviously, he already had fear of God and he already had knowledge. But this is a, this is a situation in which Shmuel is basically becoming the teacher uh, and, and the guide, the Rebbe, they call it, of Shaul. He's taking him under his wing. He's instructing him. He tells him he'll answer any questions that he has. In other words, he realizes that his role, Shmuel's role is to be a mentor to Shaul, intellectual and spiritual mentor to Shaul. And to uh, and through this discussion, this conversation, they become bonded. They, they, be, they create a bond. They become bound together. And, uh, and that, that uh, bond that they're going to have is going to be very significant in the stories coming up soon. But just to note that Shmuel waited for Shaul. Shmuel was prepared for Shaul and Shmuel is now taking Shaul under his wing. We're going to see at a later time when Shaul is supposed to wait for Shmuel and he's expecting Shmuel that he doesn't wait for Shmuel. And that's where really the relationship breaks down very significantly. We're going to see that in the upcoming chapters. But right now all we know is that Shaul's haphazard trip to look for his donkeys ends up being a real surprise with one uh, remarkable event after another. We learn that Shaul is a very attractive and impressive person right off the bat from the way that the girls respond to him. Uh, we learn that, and there are echoes there of the story of, Sha- of Moshe, story of the Avot, of, of Yitzchak and of, of Yaakov, because there's an idea there seemingly of, uh, he, because he is the first, he is beginning the institution of the monarchy. So there is something, uh, there's something patriarchal about his position there. Uh, there is also, um, something very significant in the fact that he has this pride, this Shmuel is demonstrating to him that this is all part of a plan and is beginning to educate him in the ways of how to be a proper leader. We're going to see that that education, unfortunately, does not reach its, uh, uh, its ultimate objective, 
But it's interesting always to note that uh, these conversations between Shmuel and Shaul are not just an accident, but they have to do with setting the stage as best as possible for Shaul to be the best king possible, which in the mind of Shmuel, of course, is a king who is going to be fully devoted to Hashem, implementing the Torah, guiding the people towards Torah, and standing up for the principles of Torah and for the values of Judaism. That's what, Shaul, that's what Shmuel wants Shaul to be, a person who basically has as his right-hand man, as his mentor and his teacher, the Navi, who can guide him in matters of knowledge of Hashem. Be'ezrat Hashem, we will continue tomorrow with Perak Yud.